All right, and we're live. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back, Nate. And we have a newcomer, hey. Jeff Yuma, all the way from Yuma, Arizona. How's it going, guys? What What it is? How are you guys doing? Um, hi. It's going to be a great card. Whew. Yeah, this is insane. Obviously, we're here together because UFC 253. But before we get into that, I was in communication with Jeff last week and we were talking about the Covington and Woodley card. So if you guys just want to kind of go over that real quick and we can just talk about some of the stuff that happened on that card, if you guys are down. Yeah. All right. Uh, Watch that with you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Nate and I were together, but uh, shout out Mackenzie Dern. I felt like such an idiot. I was uh, texting uh, uh, past guest Brandon. I was shouting out his fellow Canadian, and right as that happened, Mackenzie Dern slapped on that arm bar and tapped her out, and I felt like such an idiot. What do you guys think about Mackenzie <laughs> Dern's performance? Dude, okay, so that shit was nasty. Now, I don't understand why she just willingly jumped into her guard like that in the very beginning of the fight and like nobody's even sweaty or anything it felt like kind of a weird decision to make especially for a known grappler it's kind of like and right like you know marcos wasn't isn't really a grappling type of person so it's like should have just kept it standing but man she could like there was a few times where she was bending the arm and i was like oh how is she not tapping that was nuts that hurt I would attack 100%. <laughs> yeah, it definitely looked pretty nasty. I I, I look at Mackenzie Dern, and I, I kind of look at her like Damian Maya. Like, she's amazing on the ground. She could go with anybody, uh, probably tap anybody in the division. But I feel like, you know, she's super awesome at that, but she really needs to work at the other aspects of her game because she doesn't want to fall into that trap where she can only go to that well. And, yeah, it, it's working, but as she climbs the ranks, she's going to run to she's gonna run to those fighters that are going to be able to negate her takedowns and keep it standing. And if she's there and she doesn't have her striking up to par, she's going to struggle and it's going to end really bad for her. Yeah, it's getting to the point where you need to have like, a, you know, everyone's not coming in with just one specialty anymore. I mean, there's a few that can really exceed because they're just extremely gifted. But generally, you know, if you don't have wrestling, you don't have jujitsu, and you don't have good striking, sometimes, you know, unless it's like the imbalance is so high, like you just have crazy knockout power or something, it's not, you know, going to spell well for you in the later, you know, as you start growing up in the rankings. I agree with that 100%. Now, I think the Damian Maya comparison is super interesting. I think one of the... I'm trying to find the right way to articulate this. I think women's MMA is not necessarily in its infancy, but there's they don't have the same talent pool that men's MMA has. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. of that, I think there's still opportunities for there to be just massive skill disparities. Yeah. where you're going to see more fighters that are kind of one-dimensional. And I kind of think Mackenzie Dern, I look at her kind of how I look at Ronda Rousey in a way when Rousey was coming up, except she's not just going to armbar you like how, how Ronda Rousey was, you know, judo armbar. Yeah. And then towards before she started getting her ass whooped, she was kind of beating people on the feet a little bit. I think uh, Mackenzie Dern has a chance to really work on other stuff. And she even, I want to say she said in the interview that she's been working on her striking and wanted a chance to show it off. But 
that the other fighter just kind of jumped into her guard and left her no choice but to finish it. Yeah. Well, I hope to see her, you know, sharpen those skills and, you know, continue to climb that ladder because she is uh, really popular and has a chance at becoming, uh, you know, one of the top fighters in that division. But if you look at the rest of the division, it's, you know, it's not a walk in the park because, you know, ranked right above her. And this is currently um, as of our recording, like uh, she's ranked 14 in the strawweight division. But then right above her is Angela Hill who, uh, you know, performs really well, but she just needs to figure it out just to get over that hump and gain some wins. But if you go to like the, the top five, like, you know, number one contender, Rose Nami Yunus, then Jessica Andrade, Tatiana Suarez, who is like, this is supposed to be the dark horse, who's yeah. supposed to be the champion, but you know, she had a baby. So who knows when she's going to come back. And then Joanna and Jacek and then Nina Ansaroff. It's like, dude, like she, she has like a long way to go when it comes to striking. Cause just look at those top five. It's, it's just insane. Yeah. JJ would just piece her up and it's not anything against Mackenzie Dern. It's just, you know, it, it she's, you know, outside of the UFC, these, women were fighting kickboxing, you know, boxing, they're doing like all these different, you know, where they had a profession beforehand. So when they transitioned to MMA, they just have a skill set that's just, you know, dwarf someone who's just jujitsu alone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, also on that card, uh, Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann. And I, that fight was pretty crazy. I thought Ryan Spann was going to, you know, walk away with that knockout and, you know, he hit Johnny Walker and stunned him a couple times. But then I just don't know why he went in to try to take him down when he was winning, standing up. And he went for the takedown and yeah. just, uh, you know, maybe there were some illegal strikes. Maybe there wasn't. They never really showed any clear angles. But then when he caught those elbows to the temple, it was just it was just over for him. Yeah, those are nasty elbows. Do you guys think? And after the fact, it was weird because they, when they were showing the replays, they never actually showed that sequence, like the full sequence. Because I don't know if they didn't, they didn't want people to cast doubt on it. I think mm -hmm. they're just like, because even like the commentators are kind of like, was that legal? You know, <laughs> they're just like, mm. but then they just, I think the bus told them like, you know, like, hey, just don't mention it. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's good to see Johnny Walker, um, you know, come back. You know, and now he's training with. Uh, SGB, you know, Maybe. Conor McGregor's uh, team and it seemed to be a pretty good match. He was able to, you know, persevere through some pretty heavy hits and still performed. I didn't even know that he switched his team like that. That's super interesting. Yeah, because yeah. he, he uh, was floating Kavanaugh around. was in his corner. Yeah, John Kavanaugh. So he's, he's under Kavanaugh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, wow. That's going to be interesting to see what Kavanaugh does does with him especially because presumably you know McGregor isn't in their training that much because he's like retired yeah um it'd be really interesting to see if he can kind of get Johnny Walker reeled in a little bit and really like tighten tighten up his skill set and that would be super interesting I'll be honest the fight was just super crazy and I don't feel <laughs> like it necessarily showed an improved Johnny Walker per se, like it yeah. seemed very, very comparable to his last few fights that were just kind of, kind of wild as fuck. And someone yeah, got knocked out Mary. in the first round, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was cool though. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was entertaining. That's what people want to see when they tune in, you know? 
I, and I that's think, what makes him such a viable asset. Yeah, but honestly, I don't like. I, I think he's still kind of like riding that hype train because I, I look at the 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 rankings and I want to see him fight that. Uh, and I'm going to butcher this guy's name, uh, Jerry Prochaska, the guy who knocked out Ozdemir in, in his last fight. Oh yeah. Do you yeah. remember who I'm talking about? The guy who who came in and like Dana White was like hyping him up, like he was like this guy's crazy. I feel like that would be a, yeah, a really that was good a, matchup. He was a champ in something else, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think he was in... What's his name, Jiri? Yeah, Jiri. Yeah, I think he was champ in um, M1 Global. Yeah, so I mean, that's a scary dude. Yeah, because it, it, you know, matchup against Anthony Smith, I don't know if Anthony Smith has it anymore. That guy is on a you know rough patch right now. I feel like that that robbery yeah. just messed up his whole mind. I still can't get it over him like giving his teeth to the ref the last one in his fucking fight. Oh my it's god, brutal! It's brutal. Yeah, I I think that Glover fight. Well, one Smith is like a seasoned veteran, right? He's got some miles yeah. on him anyway. Yeah, and it's taken some damage, but I feel like Glover may have changed his life a little bit, and not necessarily yeah. a good way. Yeah, because <laughs> that was just. Over the top went on way too long, which definitely surprises me because if you look at the landscape of 205, I feel like like in, in the you know top ten, top five, whatever, Glover is like the last of like I feel like the old guard because you know John Jones is gone, so I'm, we can't talk about him in 205 anymore. But then uh, you look at everybody else; it's all just like newer fighters, and I feel like Glover always surprises me because I always count him out because I'm like, this guy's just old and moves slow, and he was supposed to be the guy, but never really you know got that title. John Jones, you know, whooped him, messed up his shoulder, and I, I always count him out. But then when he fought Anthony Smith and just decimated him i was like this is insane like how is he still doing it at, at that age yeah he's yeah. a talented dude wow. and i think that's always going to persevere you know i i agree and what's pretty impressive too is the way he lost to rumble a couple years ago mm-hmm. when rumble yeah. just uppercutted the bejesus out of him and sent his tooth into the stands like bouncing back from that kind of a loss is pretty impressive, especially at his age. He's got to be what, like pushing 40? Um, yeah, maybe? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, let me pull it uh, yeah, he's getting up there. He's pretty, pretty old. You know, speaking of uh, Rumble, did you see he put himself back into the USADA pool? Dude. No way. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he, coming, he's making a comeback. Yeah, he, he openly said that he's he's going to come back at heavyweight, which would which would be nice. But like, but who you knows? Think his power translates. Yeah, I I think so, but it's just I don't know if he's going to be skilled enough because to me he's always been like too slow, and some of those uh, heavyweights you know they're not like as slow as he is. So I feel like he's going to have like a big you know uh, speed disadvantage with some of those heavyweights. Uh, Glover's 40, by the way, and breaking news, he's going to, they're going to try to book, uh, Thiago Santos versus him for the third time for a headliner on November 7th. Oh yeah. Cause it, what, it fell out cause Thiago got, uh, COVID recently, right? COVID. Yeah. He got COVID wild, but that's another guy that's terrifying, dude. Yeah. How did, yeah, that guy is just a, a beast. Like, looking at the way he performed against John Jones and just, like, how, like, big and fast and strong he is, it's, like, he's scary. So, let's talk Rumble. Okay. Say he, 
he ends up getting booked for a fight at heavyweight. Okay. Who do, who would we put, who would we put him in against? I feel like you got to just. Do I mean, you, you have to give him a, a warm up fight because he's been out of the game for a couple of years, and you don't want to throw him in there with somebody with too big of a name and kind of you know cancel out uh, contenders. So I feel like just give him like you know somebody maybe maybe like you know ten through fifteen or maybe somebody unranked. I I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think they're going to give him someone in the top 10, to be honest. Like, I don't know if he would accept anything less than that. Like him as a person. But I'm, uh, I'm looking I, at the top 10. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, it's good. I mean, but even then, it doesn't have to be the top five. It could be, you know, you can give him Volkov. You can give him Junior Dos Santos. That's a pretty, you know, that's someone who's going to just stand up and brawl with him. And Dos Santos is kind of, you know, hit or miss on some of his performances, but he's still a really tough Opponent. Damn. Dos Santos. I, I love that idea. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. And JDS is coming off on coming off some losses too. Hey, yeah. I think it kind of makes sense. Yeah, that Rosenstrike fight was pretty like bummed me out. <laughs> that whole card yeah. bummed me out. Every fight that I picked on that card, just everybody lost. I I felt cursed. It was one of those cards mm-hmm. where I was like, damn it, why did I make these picks? It's terrible. <laughs> Didn't you have a parlay on that too? I want to say, if I remember correctly. Yes, but I don't want to talk about it, Jeff. Why are you bringing up the, oh, the bad stuff? Bad. That was the that was the that that was the first fight on the parlay. It was a three fight parlay, and that it busted. So I was like, oh, sad night. But it happens. Uh, man, that's always it's always how it works when you when you actually put your money where your mouth is. It always backfires generally. Yeah, I I think I've only one one parlay in my entire life and that was uh god it was years ago i I can't remember i'm trying to think now it was it was like a international fight um fight week and it was when they would do the the three cards remember they would do the um the thursday not thursday it was friday saturday sunday and yeah yeah they had the ultimate fighter one and all that yeah and and i remember i was I, i had one fight on each card and i was going into Disneyland, I was like on the, the escalators going down to the tram and I was like looking at the results and then my last fight hit and me and uh, a buddy won a pretty decent pot. Nice. But well, the next fight on that card, wait, we wait, 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 we have to talk about before that, right. uh, where do we stand with rumble? Cause I wasn't sure if uh, Jeff weighed in. Yeah. Well, I think junior dos Santos, is definitely an amazing idea. I was going to suggest that guy, uh, Augusto Sakai. Yeah. I want to say he's the one that just lost to Overeem, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes. And he could, he's, it looks like he's number 10. Mm-hmm. You give Johnson the top 10 guy, that could be an interesting matchup. You don't have to worry too much about any kind of a speed difference based on what I've seen. And I don't know. Could be an interesting little fight. Yeah, he definitely has some opportunities for him. Or what about my boy, ranked number 15, good old Canadian Tanner Boser? He's a legend on Fight Island. (laughs) I literally don't know anything about that guy. (laughs) (laughs) He's uh, the bulldozer. He's like some... um, He's like a newer heavyweight. You wouldn't be able to pick him out from a... Like, if you went to, like the south and looked at a group of guys you probably wouldn't be able to pick them out 
Yeah, he's just a big old Canadian. <laughs> Looks like an old hockey player. He sounds awesome. You should, yeah, definitely check him out. But that'd be a fun fight. I, I just um, root for him because I, I enjoy his, his his fights. But we can move on to the next fight. Nate, do you want to start it off? I mean, man, talk about hype. But hype was like you can feel it, you know. And then <laughs> Gerald, poor guy, man, Sean. He thought he had a chance. He really did, and then he just got starched, like the worst starch I've ever seen, like in recent. Where it was just like, yeah. it wasn't even a, like he tried. He just looked like he had fear in his eyes from the get go. He didn't even throw a strike. <laughs> Have you seen like the statistics? Like you know that, like I think two total strikes in the last three fights were thrown at um, Kamzat. That's nuts, dude. Like how? It's that lit, man. People, people fear it. You know what? You know what's funny about that fight is obviously it was super impressive the way uh, Hamzat or Kamzat, however you pronounce it, uh, knocked that guy out. But it's one of it, it doesn't happen very often for me. But I legitimately felt bad for that Gerald guy getting knocked <laughs> yeah. out like that. The way they the way they were treating him in the lead up to this fight, mm-hmm. like booking Hamzat two fights at once and then him having to kind of validate himself and say like, no, I'm the hype stops with me and this and that. And then just to go in there in 17 seconds and one right hand later, just out like a light. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. What I yeah, think is interesting real. is, you know, going into that, they're like, yeah, um, booked, you know, two fights in advance. He's, he's going to fight Damian Maya next. And then the fight happens. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, the Damian Maya fight's not 100%. We got to you know try to get them to sign the contracts or maybe we have to look for a new opponent. And I, I don't know if you guys saw earlier today, uh, Kamzat tweeted that he's actually going to uh, main event a, a card in Vegas. And it's going to be a five-round fight, but uh, they haven't found an opponent yet. And uh, you know Dana White said that it's going to be somebody ranked. And I'm just like, okay, but what happened to Damian Maya? Did Damian Maya just get scared and decide that he didn't want to take this fight and <laughs> risk it all against this new guy or what? Because like, I don't blame I him. I like at the press conference that he said that Damian Maya isn't ready. And what yeah. they like, they I guess when they were initially talking, I guess something came up and it, he changed. Like Dana White was saying, he's not ready yet, so we're probably gonna have to find someone else. Yeah, because he saw that knockout. So, I don't know. <laughs> they might just they might just jump over him completely, and then yeah, I don't know who they're gonna give him. Okay, I guess, looking at the top fifteen, I wouldn't be able to guess to be honest. But you got to realize. Kamzat, he could, uh, he he's like a floater. His um his frame and like his weight. He he even said he could go down to one fifty five. So if you look at him, that last fight was at middleweight. He could either fight middleweight, welterweight, or lightweight. Where would you guys want to see him? I'd want to I'd want to see him at welterweight. And I agree, he should face somebody in the top ten. I think a really interesting matchup for him. Would be Neil Magny. Okay. Almost yeah. almost in like a gatekeeper kind of a role. But if you really want to get froggy and like just buy 100% into the hype already and like really like accelerate the guy's career and give him top five, I think him versus Wonderboy would be crazy. Yeah. Okay. He did call him out too on Twitter. Yeah. Because um, Thompson called out Leon Edwards. But then. Uh, he commented on there. He's like, don't fight him, fight me kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't know if Wonder Boy's, I mean, willing, I mean, if he beats him, I'm, 
good on Wonder Boy, you know, but man, that'd be devastating for him to lose to an unranked opponent like that. Yeah, I'm glad well, you guys. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I think there's benefit in a guy, even a guy like Leon Edwards, for example, or Wonder Boy, not necessarily household names. At this point, that Hamzat guy just has an incredible amount of hype. If you can be yeah. the guy that derails the hype train, that's going to give you a lot of attention, especially yeah. a guy like Leon Edwards. Like, he's won what, seven or eight in a row? Eight. And yeah. Other than getting pieced up by Masvidal in the in the back of an arena, your average MMA fan, or we'll say a casual, probably doesn't follow him too much. No. And if you were to fight Has, uh, Hobzet and then beat him, I think that would that would do nothing but good for him. Obviously, it's risky because Hamzat's unranked and super dangerous. So I don't know no. if you even get to say yes to that. So you, I bring up Leon Edwards, and I feel like he's gotten the shit end of the stick when it comes to this whole welterweight division. Obviously, he had the fight scheduled against Tyron, and then the pandemic happened, so they had to you know pull the plug on the card, and he couldn't even get into the States to travel to fight back then. I don't know what the situation is now, if he could get to Fight Island or maybe get a special visa to get into the United States to fight in Vegas, but he's on a eight-fight win streak, and ranked number three in the division with a bunch of killers. And yeah, he's not a household name. And I think that's criminal. And it, it just bums me out that someone so talented as Leon Edwards is just kind of just on the shelf. Like he needs to get in there and get busy because this whole division is just going to pass him by because people like Kamzat are working their way up and they're going to steal his title shot if he doesn't get busy. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that 100%. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with timing. But yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think everyone likes statement. some, I think everybody likes somebody who just wants, you know, the I'll fight anytime, anywhere kind of thing. And Kamzat's backed it up. You know, he was saying, I want to fight next week. Yeah. And he did. And he, he dominated that guy worse than the first week. And then you look at this one and it was even a crazier performance. So that's the thing is like, uh, you see Leon Edwards, he keeps wrangling for, you know, Masvidal or someone like that. But you know, they don't want to fight him. They just, they kind of see, I don't know if they would be offered the money. Maybe they would want to fight someone like Leon Edwards. I don't know if like financially, maybe they don't see any benefit because it wouldn't be like a headlining fight, even though Leon Edwards is as good as he is and highly ranked as he is. He's just like, you said, not a household name. So it's kind of like he's in an unfortunate situation where he's not trying to sell himself like some of these people are. Which is a good thing because he's just trying to let his work speak for him. But, you know, for the type of career that he has, it's kind of like bad because, I mean, yeah, all these people are just coming in and like very vocal and very characteristic. You know, you look at like just Mazadal, just him doing the two piece to him just literally brought down that guy's stock. Yeah. Leon Edwards, he needs to realize that he's, uh, you know, kind of in the entertainment business. And some fighters like Kamzat can, you know, let their skills show and impress people that way. But with Leon, he's had three decisions in his last, like, you know, three fights. And, uh, you know, people don't really love to watch decisions. People want to see, you know, crazy submissions or knockouts, TKOs. So he needs to do something because uh, I, I look at people like uh, Colby Covington. He was just kind of just some random 
welterweight and then he was like all right cool like i'm gonna just create a personality and i I need to get attention on me that way so i can start you know generating some sort of hype or hate just so i can get my name out there to be put on these bigger fights and make more money so i I honestly hope he does something because it just seems like i I just haven't really heard too much and it just seems like people are are kind of talking about him and everybody just kind of feels that he's he is just stuck in this weird position and I, i just hope you know at some point he gets vocal or the UFC actually, you know, is able to get him out and get him a fight. Cause yeah, it's just been too long. Cause his last fight was July of 2019. Yeah. So over a year ago, insane. Yeah. It's a long time, but yeah, I think he might have to bite the bullet and just face a, someone that's a little lower on the rankings and then just dominate that person in impressive fashion. And that could possibly raise his stock. Who could he fight? Yeah. To, maybe no, I don't know. I honestly don't know who they could give him to give him that kind of. Yeah, hype. I mean, now fighting Woodley wouldn't really make sense. I mean, the That's Stephen even, Thompson fight would make sense, you know. That'd be good because they're both kind of. But that's the thing: if he even wants to accept it or do it, you know, and who knows if Thompson already accepted the fight with Kamzat. Uh, Kamzat. Yeah, God, comes out. Why do they even? Honestly, like I, I get that they wanted a nickname, to, uh, <laughs> but I, I like right now. I, I think it might be a little too early for him to headline. And as fast as he's finishing these fights, wouldn't he be better served in like a co-main right now because he doesn't have a title? Um, and just think about how much hype he would bring if he wasn't that like co-main and then stack it with a awesome title fight i think that's what they should be doing with him right now not just shooting him to the top because it's risky because if you look at the last person who was super hyped uh the person that comes to mind is uh, jorge masvidal and he kind of uh shit the bed and it sucks that that happened but you know weird circumstances he had to take the fight on short notice you know contract issues whatever but you know he was so popular and people were so stoked on him and then he you know met kamar usman and he just didn't perform well and that kind of i felt like derailed it for him because like he's not as popular as he was a, a year ago because he lost and you know he's been kind of quiet and i feel like just the whole division has changed and he yeah he's still top five but i, I think uh, you know, he has a rough go. He's finding or he wants to rematch Diaz again, which I just don't really think makes sense. I just feel like he's just holding his like holding up his spot in the division. I feel like he should be fighting fights that make sense. Honestly, I'd, like if they they'll say they're going to do the BMF fight instead of fighting Nate, he should actually just fight Nick because Nick's talking about coming back. If he was going to wrangle that kind of fight, that's like what I would do rather than. Because I don't think Nate Diaz would have beat him either way. Because, I mean, it was just too big, too strong. And you could just see it. I I just, dude, if I had a choice, I would love just to see him settle it with Leon Edwards. Because think about it. They could play that yeah. that clip of them you know, getting into it in the back. You know, part of the promo. There's been heat between them. And it's been brewing for so long. It would be cool to finally see them in there against each other. Because, you know, uh, yeah. Leon's been out for over a year. Masvidal's been out for a bit, so I, I feel like it it wouldn't be you know, too far off to match them up against each other. I think Leon would beat him. Honestly, I think it would look a lot like the Usman fight. Okay, yeah. and that kind of bums me out because I love Jorge Masvidal and I love seeing him whoop ass. But I just think Leon is very much like Usman in that regard, and would just follow the exact same game plan. Now, Jorge Masvidal on a full camp might look a little different, but I could see that being a fight that Masvidal loses. Okay. Um, real quick, who do you think wins between uh, Kamar Usman and Gilbert Burns? I think Usman wins. 
Okay. I mean, I think, I think Gilbert Burns would. You remember how he caught Woodley in their fight mm-hmm. and dropped him, yeah. and it was kind of like a chaotic sequence, sort of. I think he would have to catch Usman with something like that, but you don't see Usman just standing there flat-footed. He's typically very evasive, or he's the one that's like applying pressure. So. Yeah. I don't know. I think you'd have to catch him with something random if he's going to be able to have that same kind of an effect on him. Okay. Um, you mentioned Woodley. I, f- I feel like I, he hasn't been getting like brutally knocked out or submitted like crazy. I, I just feel like he goes out there and just kind of just stands around, gets hit here and there, and just always loses these weird decisions. Um, obviously, uh, he did get rocked by Burns, but when you look at his fight against Colby, uh, he broke his rib, so like that wasn't really caused by Colby. But like when you look at how like the whole fight was really playing out, he was just kind of just standing there. He, I, I feel like he was just so happy and content with having his back up against the cage. And I'm like, dude, this and it just kept reminding me of the fight when he fought uh, Rory McDonald, when he fought uh, Kamar Usman. He was just standing there, and I was like, dude, like you need to put together a better game plan because you're not just gonna knock these guys out. These guys are too high level. So you got to mix it up, throw combinations and try to be in the fight instead of just waiting for them to come into you and try to catch them with one, like, you know, with strong punch. It was just so frustrating. And I just don't know, like, if it's like a mental thing, if he has like this weird mental block or what, but it just seems like he doesn't have it anymore. He was like this awesome champion. And then after that Kamaru fight, I just don't know what happened or changed in his life. And he just seems like he's just a weird former shell of himself. And it's just so sad to see. Yeah, I agree with that. I really, I thought his fight versus Colby, like leading up to it, I thought it was super winnable for him, 100%. Mm -hmm. And I agree. He just, it seems like he's, in these last three fights, he just accepts being taken down. And and he did a little better against Colby, like in the beginning where he kind of like was able to get to his feet and was working on trying to stuff the takedowns a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like the same, the same Tyron Woodley. Now, I wonder if it's a stylistic thing. Like maybe fighters like Colby, Kamaru, um, a guy like Leon Edwards possibly, or Gilbert Burns, if the way they apply pressure like that and they're kind of like wrestling centric fighters. If that's just his kryptonite and he has a tough time against that kind of a style because he, in reality, maybe he's just a little one dimensional. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it is all the extra things that he does in his life besides fighting, like being a rapper. Terrible. Maybe that gets in the way of it. Yeah. <laughs> Quit no, rapping. Dude, it's, dude, it's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> like, it's insane to me. It's so bad. He, he, At least he doesn't come out to him. No, he got that one movie role in Straight Outta Compton, and he's just like, yeah, I, I'm in it. I feel like I could be a rapper. Uh, and I'm just like, that... He was in that? Yeah. He, he had that one line where they they were getting home from tour, and, and they were getting off the, the tour bus, and he was standing by the car, and he was like, come on, Cube. And that's like That was his only line, and I was like, this is so stupid. It's terrible. Yeah, that's what that's what did him in. Yeah, he, he saw he got a little taste of the fame, and he was like, "I'm in. I don't, I don't need to be a fighter anymore." So bad, so bad. Um, I think I told you this before, Jamie. I I I think he needs to do what Bisping did and see a sports psychiatrist and get his mind, his mental game like sharpened again. 
no, because he, I feel like you can just see it. Like he comes in very confident. He looks very confident. And you can tell how he was initially fighting that he was, but then just when he got taken down that first time, his whole demeanor and everything about him just changed. Like he like, it looked like he gave up right at that moment. And from the, that point on, he just kind of just gave into what Covington was giving him. And it's unfortunate, but I feel like it's like a mental thing more than anything else. Cause he's definitely a, a very strong, very capable individual. So, and it's not like he can't wrestle. He knows how to wrestle. He's done it before. Yeah. yeah he's and he's just, just kind of more leaning in on his strength rather than, you know, his actual skill set. Yeah. It, it's just hard to think that somebody who used to actively train with Ben Askren just sucks so bad at wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the conversation with his coaches afterwards. Dude, they were like, yeah, you can tell they so were pissed during it. Yeah, like Dean Thomas and Duke Rubis, they're like trying to tell him, like, yo, like you got to fight. And he just wasn't fighting. And it's like, yeah, I don't know what you say to that guy, but I have a plan. Uh, What he needs to do is he needs to call up Rashad Evans, who's all about psychedelics, eating mushrooms and opening up his mind. (laughs) He needs to call Rashad Evans and be like, yo, I need your help. They have a mushroom trip together. They do acid. They do whatever. Just open up his mind, clear whatever he needs to get cleared, and then he can come back, brand new fighter. Let's go. I'm in. I would love to see that. I would like to see that and then give him somebody that's like top 15. Okay. Yeah, I think. Something that's like stylistically different so he could have a chance to like maybe win again and kind of get his mind right and get his confidence back. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's. Well, he's kind of old, but yeah, weird. I don't know. You know, Magni, Vincent, Vicente, Luque would be probably be a good one. Give him my boy Jeff Neal. They're both Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal will put work on him. Jeff Neal will put work on him. He's he's too good. Um, Okay, but before we switch topics, uh, since we're you know talked about Colby, uh, his his whole shtick is terrible, uh, but. As I respect him as a fighter, his skills are um, amazing. Like, I don't know what happened, but he just got really good. And I just felt like he uh, just has been rising to the occasion. And his performance against Usman was insane. He's probably done way better than anybody has against Kamara Usman. So I'm I'm stoked that he beat Woodley. Uh, He's ranked number one. And I hope he gets the title shot after, uh, you know, Gilbert Burns and Usman link up. Yeah, or maybe he can fight uh, the street Judas, as he calls him. Oh, that'd be interesting. But see, okay, I don't know. No, I see Covington winning that fight. To be honest, yeah, he's because he has that same style, and he, he, his wrestling is too good. Yeah, I mean that's what they say. Usually, if you have a wrestling base, you're you know that you're almost and you you have the skills to back it up on top of extremely good wrestling you, i mean look at there's not very many champions that aren't wrestlers in the you know in the rankings anymore it's just i mean could be i mean the only one is probably israel is like one of them israel um i don't know about peter yan yan he might not be uh, you know go ahead you, i think Cody covington would beat uzman in a rematch I, I think I so think, too. I think he learned from the fight with Usman, and I think he would take it because you guys are bringing up wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think he would take a more wrestling styled approach rather than just 
trying to fight yeah. him on the feet the entire time. I'm not even I'm not entirely convinced that their wrestling necessarily even negated each other. They just never even tried it to begin with. I think for yeah. sure Colby takes him down and could impose his will on him. Well, I think yeah, I think you could get him out. I think he should have. Oh, you think? He, I think he got robbed in the first fight. Mark Goddard stepped in a little too early, if I'm going to be honest. Ooh. I'd have to rewatch that. Uh, that could have been a 10-8, though, him getting beat up that hard. It could have, yeah. but he could have got it. He could have slipped in a knockout, and we wouldn't have a different champion right now. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Controversial, know, but. Man. That's true. He, he got, he, when his jaw got broken, you can tell his demeanor changed. <laughs> Uh, okay. You know, you know who I think legitimately got got robbed out of a fight in a, in a fashion like that is Alistair Overeem against that Rosenstruck guy. Oh, he okay. was winning every bit of that uh, fight and popped right up with four seconds left after he got punched in the face real bad. If he would have won that fight, he'd be on what like five fight winning streak currently. Yeah, he'd be <laughs> in a real contender for the title. Yeah, hundred percent. Sorry, sorry to derail. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, no, you're good. Kind of urged me how it went down like that. But I just Man, like that. his lip though, getting ripped like that too. <laughs> but dude, but he popped up like it was nothing. He was he was yeah. fine. Yeah, and his his lip is okay now. The you know whatever yeah, plastic surgery he got really quick. Yeah, looks perfect. But uh, I'm just happy that he's actually you know really serious about. Uh, you know this final run for the title, and he's uh, you know up there training um, in like Denver, and so they got a pretty legit team out there. So I think he has, you know, a, a real case because even even that uh, fight against uh, Stipe for the belt back in the day, you know, that fight was pretty interesting. He dropped Stipe, and then Stipe was able to come back. So it's not like he got steamrolled. The only trouble I see Alistair having is uh, that uh, guy from. Uh, Cameroon, Francis Ngannou, that guy is just too scary. I, I think that guy is going to be the champion by the end of the year or by Man, next year. He knocked that fool into another dimension when he did that uppercut. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, I, I think about that sometimes and I'm just like, how did he not die? He like lifted Dude, off the ground. He made him look like a Pez dispenser. Yeah. You know those little Pez dispenser toys where you <laughs> yeah. could like pop a little candy out of it and the, the neck cranks back? Yeah. Exactly what it reminds me of. It was insane. Okay, but I don't okay. But, uh, I, the, there was one fight we didn't talk about because I, I just don't want to talk about it. The Don Cerrone Nico Price fight. It was just weird. Uh, like Nico Price, you know, so many eye pokes, and then he was stoked on the draw, which I thought was weird. And then Cerrone just didn't look that good. And I just feel like he's probably at the you know like the, right at the end of his career, which sucks because I've been watching him since WBC. But I just all right. Well, we can talk about. It. We're talking about it now. What do you guys think? Um, I thought. He definitely lost for sure. Like, Wait, who? I mean, obviously it was a draw because the eye pokes, but I think Nico Price for sure deserved to win that fight. Okay. 100%. Um, I think he took full advantage of the fact that Cowboy is a slow starter, and I'm very surprised that Cowboy was able to withstand that. And almost, he, he kind of rallied a little bit and came back towards the, you know, the middle and third round. But I feel like Nico Price got robbed a little bit, and it's kind of admirable that he had that kind of an attitude about it. But I'm wondering if the fact that he was approaching the fight in that way, like he had such an admiration for Cowboy, if that possibly could have affected the way he performed. And maybe if he didn't look up to him so much, maybe he would have finished him in that first round. Yeah, 
that's a possibility for sure. Yeah, any chance you guys want to see him run it back, or should they just move on from that? Nah, I think just move on. Yeah, I think I they were talking about having a conversation with Cerrone. I mean, maybe give him one more fight, you know, give him a headliner where like of someone he of his choosing, maybe someone similar that may be um, you know, maybe someone he's always wanted to fight, but make a big deal out of it because he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, there, it's not really anyone like Cerrone that was in the UFC for the longest time. I mean, he was a, the original guy to kind of, you know, pop in and fight whoever, whenever. And, you know, he went up in various different weight classes and had a lot of success, but, you know, that just never that got a title. You down eventually. We never got that title, which is kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. that's on him, though, because he was he was taking so many fights. I personally... I would I, I wouldn't mind watching him fight still. I mean, they let freaking Diego Sanchez fight still. Yeah. And, uh, you want a you want a better example? BJ Penn. They <laughs> let him yeah, fight him. Dude. Oh yeah, my god. Like, Talk about like a fall from grace. Yeah, you're Rodriguez. Nasty. <laughs> that was so bad. BJ Penn getting like what he threw that three sixty uh kick. Oh, that was just so sad. It was embarrassing to watch. Like it was like you are not the same person you were, man. What has happened to you? Yeah, he's well, out dude, there. Seen him get knocked out by that fat guy in Hawaii, like in front of like <laughs> I don't know, was he in like Sizzler or just like a bar or something? Yeah, things at a bar. That's crazy. Yeah, and then his. Oh yeah, yeah. And just reading weird news about him being like a like a weird cunger. Uh, he he would like uh, you know try to get guys to sleep with his girl, and I was like, that's so weird. How come you never called me? Really? But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, um, BJ Penn's definitely a character. Let's just put it at that, man. Yeah, he's crazy. Um, okay, so UFC 253, the return to Fight Island. I had no idea that they had any plans of going back. I thought it was like a cool thing to draw attention back onto the sport, and that I thought that was like, oh, okay, cool that they did it. Things are getting better. They're able to, to do stuff at the apex, and I thought they would just hold up shop there. Uh, but they returned to Fight Island, which I thought was kind of cool, and uh, people seem to be into it. I'm pretty stoked that we're finally getting this Walter, or excuse me, this middleweight title fight against uh, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa, which I'm pretty stoked about. And yes, sir. And we're about to crown a, a new light heavyweight champion that isn't John Jones or Daniel Cormier, which is insane to think about. Yeah. Where do you guys want to start? That, um, I mean, a lot of these definitely they put most of the money into this card at the top, you know, okay, like the top two or like where it primarily. But if there's any that stand out, you know, maybe like in the prelims, Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews is a good matchup, I think. God, Diego, is Diego Sanchez still just with that one coach? Do you guys know? I think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I believe he's kind of grim. That's so. But yeah, I, that's so crazy. It, he's such a weird guy. Like, I don't get the. It's almost like he got conned, but he's okay, and he probably even knows it's a con. But he's just so weird that he's like accepting it and just rolling with it. And it's weird because it, it's interesting because he's not even like he looks terrible. You know what I mean? Like he still has that fighting spirit that just a lot of people don't have. <laughs> it's just kind of hard to watch at the same time. 
how's he still fighting he's so old and he's do you think about he's he was uh on like the first season of tough which is so crazy to think about <laughs> yeah. tito ortiz and all them like that's it did yeah he's um been in the sport for a crazy amount of time and it's weird that he doesn't have the most fights in ufc history either i think that's kind of odd well you know he's he, not even on the main card he's, he's not he's not even headlining the undercard holy shit yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Does, Watch him take a lot of damage too. That would that'd be insane. Yeah, Dick Matthews is pretty good. Like he's someone who kind of struggles too. Like, yeah, he was doing really well and then he's kinda of fallen off, but I, I feel like that's an easy fight for Jake Matthews. I mean it should be. If he loses, you might have to reconsider uh, his place. Well, Diego Sanchez he might just come out crazy and just try to swing for the fences. Jake Matthews so. get caught. I, I hope it's an entertaining fight. That's I don't the only know. way. Go ahead. I was saying that's the only way he'd win. Like when he said, just swing to the fences. Put it all in the first round. Just try to knock the guy out. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Well, hopefully, uh, it's a good fight. I'm really surprised that Diego Sanchez is still going at it. I hope he is healthy. I was watching him in the UFC embedded, and he was doing like weird stuff at the airport i don't i i want to say it was like something like tai chi it was like him and stefan bonner and he was just telling the camera he's like i don't care if people just stare at me or if they want to join me i'm just doing me i don't care and i was like this guy's so weird (laughs) (laughs) yeah so weird but all right man whoever thought of those embedded was really smart i I like watching those as they lead up it kind of gives you a better perspective about like the behind the scenes and just kind of what happens i like it yeah. Oh, yeah something you know outside of like the countdowns but i mean i feel like the countdowns are really scripted and they're kind of like pre-planned but those you know it's just people in their natural state and it's kind of cool to see it yeah it definitely gives you like a, like a cool behind the scenes feel uh for what's actually going on during fight week and i i feel like the embeddeds are special especially when it's the like the more intense cards that we're like looking forward to like you know any conor mcgregor card or just any big title fight like this, it's just always cool to get that weird, different perspective from behind the scenes and see exactly what's going on with these fighters and like their mental state. And it's awesome. Yeah. But going to the main card, are you guys interested in the women's fight at all? The uh, Caitlin Vieira versus uh, Sajara Eubanks. We got a Bantamweight fight. It'll be an interesting fight, but, uh, I think they're kind of trying to push Kathleen in, you know, because uh, Eubanks is kind of like a mixed bag, you know, seven to four. And you look at Kitlin is 10 and one. So, I mean, obviously they're not going to want the one with poor record to win. They're, you know, and I feel like this is just like a setup fight, to maybe show Kitlin and possibly what she can do. Yeah, maybe if she wins uh, impressively, she could you know, jump up in the rankings, maybe get top five. Because uh, she's right there. She's uh, currently ranked seven. Yeah. So I feel like it's like a stepping stone type of fight. And But, I mean, Eubanks is a tough, tough chick. I mean, she's definitely, I mean, generally it's either decision or KO that she doesn't go for submission. She just tries to throw. So, I mean... Could make for an interesting fight. Um, Caitlin does sub. She has a little bit of all. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. 
And also on the card uh, is these, uh, one of his training partners or a guy who trains at the same gym as him, the Kai Kara France. He's fighting, yeah. which should be pretty cool. It was uh, you know awesome that he was able to bring somebody from home all the way out there to Fight Island with him just to you know, get more people from uh, the city kickboxing gym on the map. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of up-and-comers or kind of unknowns on this. But they're all pretty um, matched up well where, you know, there's not very any big discrepancies between who they're fighting. It's kind of like give or take where they want to lift like that Kai guy, you know, they, they probably want to lift him up because he's, you know, training partner in Israel. And so it's kind of one of those things I always try to get people from the similar gyms to fight because, you know, just bring them all together rather than a bunch of separate camps. All right. But the co-main event, which I'm really excited for, because I'm a huge Dominic Reyes fan, and I, I swear on my life, I still think he beat John Jones. I feel like he was like legitimately robbed out of that decision, and uh, you know, hundred percent, he sent John Jones packing. I feel like that's why John Jones was so keen on giving Jan the next title shot. Didn't want to rematch. Dominic, I feel like, dude, if you it was you know that close and that controversial, like, wouldn't you want to put a stamp on it to you know further cement your legacy? But he didn't want to take the L. Yeah, he ran. He ran a heavyweight. And, and it's weird because I always feel like John Jones does better in his like next fight in comparison to. I mean, because you can even even the Cormier one got overturned, but I mean, he just figured out Cormier in that second fight, and it was, you know he had his number. Unfortunately, you know, he cheated, but that's the way it goes. Dude, I feel like he's been cheating his whole career, but that's a whole other story. So you got, um, uh, well, clearly you probably got Reyes, right? 100%. Victorville, California, stand up. Dominic Reyes will walk away the new and new, or should I say and still, light heavyweight champion. What do you think? How do you think he's going to win? Let's go first round knockout. Um, what about you, Jeff? Pretty uh, hefty one. I, th- I think he finishes him. I think uh, I think his movement is just far superior to uh, to Jan's, and I think just based off the people that Reyes has beaten and the way he's beaten them compared to compared to Jan, like if we're gonna do MMA math a little bit, okay, it's just Reyes all day. I think yeah. there's just. I mean, unless they end up, if he plays into Jan's game plan, kind of, and they go up into the cage, and then maybe on the break he lands like a crazy punch or something and catches catches Reyes, it could happen. But I think Reyes moves around too much. I think he's too smart for that. And I think he either finishes him or wins in a lopsided decision. Yeah. Have I ever seen Reyes, like, stunned? Yeah, he got... Nope. Uh, no, he got... Um, uh, um, Ozdemir uh, did a number on him. Tagged him. I feel, oh, like, okay. I feel like that was like his worst performance. Like um, it was uh, Ozdemir, and, and people were like, "Oh, like you know, this guy's all hype." And look at that performance—he barely beat Ozdemir. Uh, you know, it was a split decision, whatever. But you know, he still won, and he didn't. You know, and I don't feel like he, he uh, you know, or I don't feel like Ozdemir got robbed. I feel like the decision went in the right way, and then. He came back to fight Chris Weidman, who at the time, you know, it's not the same Chris Weidman as today, but, you know, back then, Chris Weidman coming up to 205 was like a big deal. 
And Reyes showed like, hey, this guy was the former middleweight champion. You know, he stopped the Anderson Silva hype train and he was on a run and he whooped Weidman. So he he dropped him when moving backwards. That's crazy to me. Like he was literally <laughs> shuffling backwards, throws a punch and just lays Weidman out. Yeah, it's crazy power. Very impressive. I feel like the the thing that um, stands out to me when I look at Dominic Reyes is he has that same frame as uh, you know John Jones, uh, Alexander Gustafson, these guys who were dominant in that division. So I feel like that's why he's so he does it so well. He has like just like that the right frame and his skills. Obviously, he knows how to wrestle. His boxing is amazing. So I, I just I, I just have always been hyped on him. So I, I just can't wait to see him fight Jan. And I'm not counting Jan out. Obviously, Jan has like that that Polish power that he um, he's always you know going on about, and he has knocked out a lot of people. But I just think if Reyes can utilize his distance and just kind of uh, you know keep him at that range and not let him get in, like um, he should be fine. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I think you can consider that you know some of the people that he's. I mean, Jan fought like some really high level people, but he, as of his last four fights, I mean he he did get TKO'd from Diego Santos. You know, yeah, that so nasty. it's not like he's not able like he it, within last year because it was a february 2019 he got he lost by knockout you know so i mean it's possible we've seen reyes has a lot of power a lot of you know he's really strong and then the people that he fought after the fact was like luke rockhold and souza who were coming up from middleweight which i feel like in their position they were already kind of behind even though the souza fight was really close it was a split decision but man, he did start Corey Anderson and send that full of Bellator. Like, oh my god, that sucks, man. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Let me call Nate back. I think Nate's phone died, or. But Jeff got disconnected. Hey, uh, I don't know what happened. We all dropped. Can you uh, patch Jeff back in? Yeah, 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 hold on. All right. Technical difficulties. I'll just have to edit this out. I will have to edit this out. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Nate, you guys are back? You guys aren't getting rid of me that easy. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was uh, tabbed over and then I just heard the phone hang up. So we're, we're back. Uh, what was the last thing you heard? I heard. I, he oh, ahead, I heard you talking about Corey, uh, Corey Anderson getting sent to hell by Jan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, so that's uh, what I was saying. Like, yeah, Jan Scott, Scott Coker hung up the phone call. The power to completely knock out Reyes if but I don't like I was saying I don't see Reyes standing still. I see him using his angles, using, you know, distance. It's interesting because uh Jan actually has a further reach than uh Dominic Reyes. It's only by one inch. But um so I mean in terms of like 
reach advantage is not really one, you know, like because their height and their reach kind of like give or take that thing. But I see Reyes using his angles and really just putting together good combinations like how he has been doing and getting the win. Yeah, I agree with that. Not only that, I just flat out like him better. <laughs> That's fair. I think, he, I think he's just a, he seems like a cooler dude. I, I hate that he got robbed by Jones like that. And I really want to see him be champion. And eventually I'd like to see him run it back with John Jones at some point. Although I don't think it's going to happen. No, yeah. no, I don't, I don't see it either. I feel like John Jones is going to go up to heavyweight. I don't know if he's going to perform as well at heavyweight, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what power. I mean, he wants to bulk up for it. So, I mean, his brothers are NFL players. Yeah. Who do you think I supplied mean, him to steroids? Like they gave him steroids, yeah. dude. We all well, know. I mean, he's still on USADA, so unless he's hiding under some rings that yeah. they're going to either catch him or, you know. Shout out to Shelton. Kind of Go ahead, Jeff. Part of me kind of thinks that Jones is calculating heavyweight in the sense that He's been able to beat DC pretty one-sidedly in the times that they've fought, and Stipe has had a very hard time with DC every time, and Stipe's a champion. So I'm thinking Jones is looking at it like that and just kind of sees it as an opportunity just to jump over everybody and get a crack at Stipe, who I think he thinks is a winnable fight. True. Yeah. No, I I definitely I uh, you know uh, agree with that line of thinking. Uh, but looking at the bigger picture, I feel like he will have some favorable matchups just because he is like highly skilled. His fight IQ is really high. But for sure, I just don't know because obviously uh, it's a whole different power level when you step up to yeah. that division and give him Ngannou. Well, they were teasing that, but you know there was like that whole money issue. But I, I think he was just kind of using that as an excuse because going up and finding that guy for your first fight—that's just too risky. Because like, yeah, he's been beaten before, but it's just—I I don't feel like it's like worth that risk. Maybe just ease into it, and then maybe like have it be like a huge deal, maybe for a, a title, make it worth it. Because like you don't want that to be your first fight at heavyweight, and then you get starched, and then it's just like, all right, there goes all the fucking hype. So. I think yeah, you're going to see I, what happens with Francis and Stipe since that's the fight. I, I don't think Dana White can skip over Francis again without Francis uh, taking it out on White, like actually physically beating him up or something. So I think it's going to, you know, that's going to be the fight. And I think he's just going to bulk up and wait till then. And just if Stipe wins, you'll probably get that immediate shot because Stipe has shown interest in that fight. Yeah, I, I just want. Yeah. Definitely want Steve to take take, to take some time before he you know uh, fights Francis because obviously he's gonna have to prepare because last time he took so much damage. I, I hope uh, if he does decide to take the fight, he has a better game plan and can avoid getting hit so much because it, it was just a rough go. And I don't know if at this point in his career if he could withstand all those punches again from Francis. And obviously Francis has only gotten better since then, so it, it, it definitely. Um, is a scarier matchup than the first time. So I, I just hope Stipe uh, takes it, but is like smart about it. Yeah. But what do you say, Jeff? No. Um, I, I, I was just going to say that if Jones were to fight in Ganu, 
I think he would take, I think he would definitely approach it and kind of leverage his wrestling. I think in heavyweight, Curtis Blades would be a much more dangerous fight for John Jones than Nganu. I think John Jones, yeah. like I said, potentially could just out wrestle Nganu and he's like strong enough to kind of like get under him and hold him down. But Curtis Blades, his wrestling is insane. And I think he would give John Jones a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. I just hate that Nganu is that, that kryptonite for Curtis Blades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He got him twice too. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. just so bad because Blades was just, you know, doing so well. And then he's like, all right, like I, I'm ready for Nganu again. And then. <laughs> Uh, it was just so bad. Were, that, were, were either of you guys pleasantly surprised by the way Nganu talks? Like his voice is just super timid, but somehow really scary. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, I feel like it just kind of fits him. Because when I always, whenever I hear Anderson Silva speak English, I was like, how is that his voice? <laughs> And I'm not trying to be like a dick, but it's just like, dude, that's like, you know, he was the goat before he, uh, you know, he met Chris Weidman, but like his his English is just so weird. I guess you could say the same with Kamzat too. It's not like Kamzat has a very, you know, deep voice or anything. He's kind of like a smash him, you know. <laughs> like he has like a pretty low, like high voice too. Yeah. So like, I mean, dude, I think it's like just people who don't know English, like they kind of speak a little timidly, and I think it's just a natural thing, but. Yeah, man. I, that's why you can't judge people just by the face it, the way they look or talk sometimes. He should have just gone, or I, I was thinking about Anderson, he, he should have gone the Jose Aldo route and just never learn English. Just just chill <laughs> with Portuguese and that's it. Dude, you know what blew my mind about Hamzat? Is that fool is Swedish. <laughs> I literally thought he was just like from Dagestan like or the same place Khabib is. Blew my mind that he's Swedish. It, it, it absolutely insane to me. Yeah, he trains with um, uh, Alexander Gustafson. It's the same camp. Wow, that would explain his bitch and grappling. He's got to deal with a huge guy all day. Yeah, yeah, but it's insane. Like, but it's but that's why I love MMA because you know you, you you stick around and these fighters just like Kamza, just like. Uh, Conor McGregor, just like Ronda Rousey, they just pop up, take the whole sport by storm, and it's just f- so fun to watch. Yeah. Crazy skill. But main event, middleweight title, Israel, Adesanya versus Paul Costa. I honestly don't think this is going to be as competitive as like they're trying to make it out to be. Obviously they're you know, trying to push the narrative that Paul Costa is not going to just stand there like Yoel and he's going to, you know, push the fight. But I feel like if he does that, he's just going to walk right into Izzy's game plan and just get knocked out or TKO'd. What do you yep. guys think? I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think the fact that this is happening at fight Island and not at the apex center is just hugely beneficial for Izzy. I think if the fight would have been at the Apex Center with that, you know, the smaller octagon, that would have been pretty advantageous for Costa. But I think Izzy's movement is going to be too good. Um, he's just an insane counterpuncher. And Costa has shown that if, if he actually goes to decision and goes to the later rounds, 
he fades kind of fast. And Izzy has shown that he can turn it up in the championship rounds if it gets that far. Yeah, that fight against uh, Kelvin Gastelum, it, it went down to that fifth round and he came out and he wanted it more and he showed it. And that was like, you know, like pretty eye opening just because yeah. I, I I didn't think uh, Kelvin had that kind of fight in him and he would put it on Izzy like that. But it was such a crazy fight back and forth. But then when it got down to the fifth round, Izzy came out and just, you know, cemented that he's like one of the best middleweights ever. So it, it was definitely cool to see. And it shows that he has the, you know, the endurance and the mental strength to last five rounds and still be in there all the way till the end. Hundred percent. I I would like to say though, I knew that Kelvin Gastelum had it in him like that, but I'm also kind of a Gastelum mark, and I'm very partial to him because he's from Yuma. So I I actually love that fight. I I was hoping he was going to beat him, but yeah, Izzy just showed that he's just a bad motherfucker and wanted him more. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things like Costa definitely has a puncher's chance because we've seen Izzy like stunned. We've seen him like Gaslam got him with some pretty good hits. You know, it's crazy yeah. that um, in UFC middleweight history, Costa has the most significant strikes landed per minute. <laughs> like, so I mean, that's the thing. If he pushes the pace, I mean, he's a dangerous guy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I think. Israel is signing. I mean, he's been in kickboxing his entire life. I yep. think he's dealt with people in that similar kind of style. He doesn't have to worry about Paula Costa. I mean, they kind of mentioned that Paula Costa, you know, has BJJ and like he actually is a skilled jiu-jitsu artist, but I don't see him trying to take him down or really kind of utilizing that. I think he wants to just push the pace, try to knock him out because he feels he could. I don't think. I mean, it'd be surprising if he goes in a different round and tries to grapple with them because I feel like it'd tire himself out more so than it would Israel at that point. But I mean, you yeah. never know. I mean, he might, might try to do something completely different, throw him off. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think Israel just has fought better people in comparison to Costa. And you've seen Costa really faded in some of those fights, even with like Hendricks. He kind of like faded in some of those parts, even though he did like KOM the hell. But uh yeah, I think Israel's gonna win by counter. Yeah, I, I like uh I think if it was in the smaller cage at the apex that the narrative they're pushing with Casa would be a little more realistic, like I said before. But with with a, a little more room to move around, I just think Izzy's gonna keep his back off the cage and is just gonna be able to avoid what Casa does best. I can't wait, though. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Suarez once going to get your heart racing either way because you're just going to see Costa like throwing heat and you're going to be like, oh, because is that going to connect? Is that, or even if it tags them a little and you see any type of daze, you're going to be like, oh, is this it? <laughs> I mean, there's so much that can happen. And that's the, that's the beauty of MMA. Yeah, do you know, he's obviously incredibly dangerous for sure. And, I don't know maybe maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just catches them with something, something wild, or maybe he backs him up against the cage, and if he can't get out of it, then he just goes to work. Could happen, but I kind of think Izzy's going to be champion for a really long time. Yeah, I'm like looking at the middleweight rankings. I'm not sure who can pose a, a real challenge, 
outside of obviously this fight they're both undefeated uh but i'm looking at that uh jared cannonier i feel like that would be like a really interesting fight for izzy just because that guy's like super well-rounded and has crazy yeah. like knockout power and it's like you know he's been dubbed the dark horse of the, the division uh i think that would be really awesome but he has to win his next fight and i, I know izzy uh, has said that if he wins his next fight if they both win their next fight they, they should definitely have that matchup i agree with that you know what i think would be a really fun middleweight middleweight fight that kind of makes a lot of sense at this point gasolum versus ual romero Damn. I think that fight would be super good. And they're both yeah. coming off losses. I think they're both going to be hungry. I think they both go for it. And I think that fight would be just insane. Is uh UL's injured, right? Cuz that's why they pulled, I don't know. That's why they pulled Uriah Hall from his, that fight. Cuz remember those two were matched up and then Uriah Hall's fighting Anderson oh. Silva now. He, Uriah, yeah. Uriah Hall's fighting who? Anderson Silva. Oh, yes, I knew about that. I didn't know that Hall and Romero were even matched up at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's supposed to be Anderson Silva's um, final fight before he retires. He's going to fight Uriah Hall. That'd be, I wonder if uh, Silva is going to put his all into it, or is he going to kind of be like in between? Because he's had flashes of like good, you know, you know iconic, Anderson Silva, like, I mean, when he, even like UFC 200, when he kicked Daniel Cormier and like hurt him in the stomach, I was like, oh, it was, you know, outside of that, he just got wrestled the whole time. But he has flashes of where you can see that power and that speed of what he strikes and does. But ever since Weidman, it's just kind of what, you know, he's not the same striker that he was. But I don't know, maybe for his last fight, he might go all in, put all the cards on the table because what else are you going to do? I would be so down for that. He Anderson Silva is one of my first ever, like truly favorite fighters, like ever, ever. I was obsessed with that guy for a while, like with in terms of MMA. And yeah, yeah I'd like to see him go out on top. I think that would be just, it would be, it'd be kind of satisfying, honestly. It'd be a good way to close out his career. Yeah. And you're, and you're Ryan Hulls. That's a real dude. That yeah. guy's hard as hell. If he actually pulls it off, that'd be incredible. Yeah, he's always in there, you know, um, ranked and always puts on a good show. Tough fighter. I would uh, love to see how that fight plays out. Uh, but you keep bringing up Kevin, uh, Kelvin Gastelum, and I, I'm always upset when I see him fighting middleweight because I feel like he would do so well at welterweight. And I know, uh, you know, he, he had the weight cutting <laughs> issues and. Uh, he doesn't really have yeah. to cut too much weight in middleweight, but I feel like Kelvin Gastelum for the way that he fights in his frame for him to be in welterweight, I feel like that would spice up that division like so much. And it would be, I feel like it would be so cool to have him down there and just fighting those guys. But yeah. And all you have to do yeah. is trim down a bit. Like, it's not like he's like pure muscle or anything. He's, you know, didn't he get in trouble one time? Like he missed weight cause he went and like got Wendy's or something. <laughs> <on> one of his. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Yuma's a really small town, right? Like, well, you guys, you guys have been here, and you know that. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can absolutely confirm that Kelvin Gaslam loves breakfast burritos. So <laughs> I'm guessing he just that fool just loves to eat 
and doesn't want to doesn't want to diet. Yeah. Yeah, and that's man. Yeah. Imagine what kind of fighter he'd be if he actually got a nutritionist and like kind of changed, you know, Dude. like even a, like not even the like get muscular, just to like tone down a bit, just a little bit. Well, just... didn't didn't they force him to have a nutritionist? Like the UFC paid for a nutritionist at one point, I think. Right? Like I think they gave him Dolce, and like he still lost weight. <laughs> I think a couple years ago, I I could be wrong, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't. Yeah. He just doesn't, doesn't want, want to do it. it. But also, he's one of those fighters that would serve, uh, or be better served, at, um, like a if they added, uh, you know, those extra weight classes, you know, because he's like yeah. kind of like a, like a tweener, because oh, he's yeah. like he's like kind of in between. So if they uh, kind of restructured, because it, it is weird when you think about it, how it you know goes from like. 155 or you know well go down and start the you know 125 35 45 55 and then 70 85 205 it's just like a weird gap so if, if they did structure it and kind of went by you know if they actually had like a 65 75 and just kind of restructured it, i feel like it would be better because uh, it would kind of just spread things out a little more there'd be more champions more fights uh, but i don't understand why they don't do it yeah, like yeah. 165. Yeah, because oh think, man, that that weight class would be insane. Yeah, there's so many fighters because you, you you think about the guys at one fifty, like the guys who you know are on on like that border, like you know who fight at one fifty five, and then also can fight one seventy, but they're just trying to find a home, and you know they're basically Kevin going Lee being one. Yeah, Kevin Lee, but even like Cowboy Cerrone, uh, you know mm-hmm. th- those kind of fighters just. I feel like it would be so cool to have that, like, you know, those extra divisions and just kind of like restructure everything. But obviously, like, you know, there's like a lot of history with these divisions. So, like, maybe they don't want to just, like, you know, kind of end it and rewrite everything. But I, I hope they will one day. I think, I think they're going to have to at some point because there's more, it seems like there's more athletes being pushed towards MMA in comparison to other sports. And by that, yeah. I mean, the skill level is increasing. And I think that's because MMA is far enough along that there's people who've been training almost their whole life in MMA specifically. And there's just going to be, once the popularity continues to increase, there's going to be more people doing that. And you're going to need a place. You're going to need a place to put them. I think there's just going to be too many bodies. Yeah. Or maybe, more promotions will open up. Do, do you see like a, another new promotion like popping up to try to compete with, uh, you know, the PFL, Bellator, UFC? Is it even possible at this point? I think it would have to be something that was kind of like Pride back in the day. There would have to be. Bell. I mean, Bellator is kind of, and I guess one championship. They're kind of taking fighters that are UFC caliber and hyping them up and offering them more money and making the rosters competitive. I just think it would have to be something that is different enough from what the UFC is doing to stand out against it. Um, and maybe that could be adding in different weight classes. And then maybe that would force the UFC to be able to change the way they have it set up. Well, I mean, one FC does it where they have to fight at their natural weight. Like they can't um, cut weight to a certain extent, where it like dehydrates the body too much. So, I mean, uh, there there's a few like 
places that are doing different things. I think what it is is just UFC is such a recognizable brand. And I mean, yes, it's just like anything. Look at what happened with like Michael Chandler. I mean, he got offered from one FC, PFL, and all those. And even Bellator, you know, I doubt they wanted their golden boy to leave. But he knew if he came to UFC that there's a possibility where he could make some crazy money. I cannot wait to see him fight in the UFC. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, he <laughs> as long as he doesn't do as bad as Will Brooks, I mean, that's the only thing we can hope for. Oh, but... yeah. He beat Chandler, didn't he? Yeah. Like like a few years ago when he yeah. came into the UFC and then like just obvi- you know, he didn't do very well. Yeah, he just like shit the bed. <laughs> yeah. They were hyping him up to be the next big thing and he just got demolished in the UFC. Yeah. But to be fair, so, he was he was so a, a skilled fighter. It's not like, you know, he just kinda got lucky against uh Chandler. It was, you know, fair play. But yeah, I don't know what happened. Maybe he just couldn't handle the pressure of being like you know on a bigger show and you know different competition. But uh, I don't know. It uh, it it sounds to me like I know they booked Chandler as backup for the the Gaethje Khabib fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I saw something where they're trying to book him like an actual bout as well. Yeah, it sounds like they're kind of going for Tony Ferguson. I think a good fight for Chandler would be Charles Oliveira. I think that would be a very competitive fight. Charles Oliveira, he's on a six-fight winning streak, I think. Yeah. Maybe seven-fight. He's around pretty well. Lightweight. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's been doing well. Um, he's, he's in the top ten, and I think that would be a really good kind of intro fight to really see, almost like a litmus test, to really see where Chandler's at. Yeah, gonna test that jujitsu. That's what's gonna happen. Or <laughs> Oliveira's gonna test that that calf. He's gonna you know study that film and start kicking him down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they're trying to make that Ferguson and Poirier fight, but now with Chandler, that's what they're trying to because Poirier is trying to get more money. Yeah, because they offered it to, to Poirier. They wanted Poirier Chandler, but he's like, "Show me the money," which is fair. I, I feel like Poirier should be making money like the the, the top fighters because based off his, his last purse uh like i feel like he does deserve more he's puts on a show your former champ you know interim champ whatever uh and he, he should i feel like he should fight for that you know you look at people like you know khabib and conor mcgregor and the kind of money that they're pulling in it's like he's like not even getting anywhere near that and granted they're the champ or they were champions whatever but he he should be paid more, hundred percent. Yeah, he he's entertaining too. I don't think I've ever seen like a fight that Poirier has been in that I've ever been bored. Like even even early on, like when Conor McGregor knocked him out or whatever, like that was still a fun fight to watch. Yeah. He's, I, I would even consider him to be a fan favorite at this point too. I don't know. I figured he drew and was making good money, but. Yeah, especially with his charity work and everything. Like, he garners a lot of attention. So it's kind of weird that they're playing hard. I mean, unless he's asking for a ridiculous number. I mean, we don't really know the negotiations per se, but he definitely could get some kind of bump. But I I feel like everyone's kind of wrangling for a little extra right now. Because, I mean, that was like the big thing with like Mazadal. Like, they never, they were 
originally wanted to book him against Usman, but he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to get paid more. And then, you know, finally, when the fight dropped out with uh, Burns, they, you know, had to open the checkbook. So I don't know if he's going to have to wait for something like that. But, I mean, there's plenty of people at Lightweight, especially with them, high, like, getting Chandler on the roster, where they can sideline Poirier now, you know? And Unfortunately. That sucks. And that's yeah, why. Yeah, I I feel like that's why they're kind of like it feels like they're like crabs in a bucket when it comes to them wanting to get more pay. It's just like there's always other people like when Poirier, you know, posted that he wanted more money and that he wasn't going to fight. You know, there was other people like uh, Paul Felder uh, tweeted, Benil uh, Dariush tweeted like that they would step in. And it's just like, dude, no, you guys are hurting yourselves in the long run. Like this guy's trying to stand up for all of you and get more money. And it's just like that's going to affect you guys as well make it you know easier for you guys to ask for that kind of stuff in the future but uh, like i don't know it's just it's just rough it, it, it sucks i feel like this whole uh, win show structure uh, should be like you know like re revamped like i i look at people like ryan bader who went to bellator and just got a flat rate he got i think it was like uh i want to say it was like 200 to just a you know show and, and this is like you know right when he got into Bellator, i'm sure he makes more money now since he was you know double champ but um he was just showing up and making flat uh, you know, $200,000. And he said he enjoyed that way better. It was like no pressures. He knew exactly what he was making so he could go and just you know be at peace and not have to worry about, you know, getting half of his pay. So I, I feel like they could redo this. I feel like there's more money now than ever, especially with like all these new deals. They're, you know, a partnership with Reebok is about to end. Uh, they're with ESPN now. They're exclusively, you know, pay-per-views exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. So I, I feel like fighters can't get more money it's just you know i just feel like they don't want to give it to them which sucks yeah, yeah. I, it's a tough problem to solve yeah but i i, I hope at some point because like you look at uh you know and it's always compared to boxing because it's just it's always going to be linked to boxing but when you look at like the the top fighters like floyd mayweather um uh, why can't I think of anybody else right now? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. What the hell's the the guy that he beat? Canelo. Uh, there you go. Uh, Canelo. Just them making like crazy. I mean, obviously, he's like entangled, like you know, in a lawsuit right now about money. But when you look at just the kind of purses that those boxers are making, it, it's it, it's crazy how much like I feel like yep. these UFC fighters are just getting shafted when it, when it comes to pay, and and it feels like they're putting more on the line than the boxers. But I could be wrong. I've never oh, been yeah. a fighter, but who knows? That that's just my point of view, and, and I, I feel like at this point, it, it, it's sad when uh, who was it? Uh, the girl on, on the last card, um, she like posted her her uh, Chase banking like uh, like she got like a notification oh, on her yeah. phone, and she had like she had like less than like twenty dollars in her bank account. And I'm like, how? I whatever. Like I have like a corporate job, whatever. But it's like I have more money in my bank account than this UFC fighter who just was on like national TV sponsorships and all that. And I have more money in my bank account than her. Like that's, that's not right. That's, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they can fix it. These fighters need more money. Uh, give them sponsorships back. Cause you know, you know, people were making, uh, you know, six figures just on sponsorships alone. And there was really no complaints back then. Cause if they couldn't, get a decent purse obviously they could go out and hustle and make it on sponsorships and you know get their own money that way so i don't know it's, it's, it's just such a hell yeah so it's just uh just a weird thing because like i i love mixed martial arts but yeah there's definitely a lot of things that still can be fixed and i wish they would get fixed so and just the pay structure is one of them hey you know what? and 
if if I'm being honest, I wouldn't mind seeing a Condom Depot sticker back in UFC fights again. Stuff like that is super nostalgic to me. Classic. Do you, do you guys yeah. know what I'm referencing? Yeah, 100%. When I say that? Yeah. Yeah, seeing some of those like super crazy sponsors, that'd be so cool. Dude, when uh, Mighty Mouse got was sponsored by Xbox, that always got me yeah. so stoked because I obviously like you know I love video games, and for Mighty oh, Mouse yeah. to be local to that area and find such a big company in his uh, local area to sponsor him, I was like, dude, that's so cool because it, it totally fit in because he's a gamer, you know, on Twitch and everything, so that just made sense. Or seeing like you know fighters like John Jones, Junior DeSantos back in the day getting those Nike sponsorships. It's like, dude, that's the kind of stuff yep. that we need to see instead of this like these fight kits that were like the worst idea that anybody ever came up with in MMA history because those things are so ugly. I think Nate and I saw somebody wearing one. Uh, remember, Nate? We're, we're, yeah. We were at the... the. Oh my God. It was Jones Gustin 2. We saw like one guy wearing one and we were like tripping out. We're like, oh my God, like there's actually somebody wearing one. It was embarrassing. Yeah. He actually bought one. It's weird because they're going to switch to Venom next, which at least is a natural MMA company, but I'm kind of curious what if they're going to expand i mean even if it's just a symbol of the companies or something it doesn't have to be crazy you know like you they'll you'll have some people that actually have like the monster symbol on their shorts you know compared to others because they're sponsored by monster within there and it just kind of seems weird to let certain people have that and others not you know yep do you do you guys remember back in oh god this has got to be like 2005 2006 era ufc um when death wish like the record label was sponsoring fighters and like they even got i think it was joe lozon to go out with a death wish logo like on the back of his shorts do you guys do you guys remember that do you know what i'm talking about no that's crazy to think uh, about i had no idea because like the only a hardcore thing ever related oh, yeah. that i could think of besides um so back in the day andre arlossi he used to walk up to ice pick yes hell yeah, yeah he did yeah, dude. You know what's funny about that? Jamie Jasta. He uh, even back then was sponsoring fighters. Uh-huh. I think I think it was when he had that uh, what was that? Clothing hatewear clothing brand. I've never heard of that. I think I think is what it was called. Um, yeah, dude. He was sponsoring fighters. He actually wrote walkout music for Matt Brown, and the and yeah. the UFC wouldn't approve it. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, I read that, and I didn't get that either. It's like, what the hell? These people come out to like all these different things, and you're not going to let this guy come out to a song that was made specifically for him. <laughs> and dude, how many UFC fans like fuck with metal music? Yeah, almost all of them for sure. You know, it seems like a a fit that would make sense, but I think UFC is kind of trying to steer away from that, like the whole bring the pain era ufc when they have like heavy metal music and that kind of an image i think they're kind of trying to try to look more professional they're trying to just be like like look like an actual sport which i mean i always feel like people are going to see it as too brutal you know what i mean like there's sometimes you'll (laughs) show a clip to someone and they're like holy crap you know or they just you know violent it's the first fight. So I have kids, right? And mm-hmm. my daughter, she's nine now. And for years, I've been trying to get her to watch MMA with me, right? And the one time she actually watched a fight with me was 
Diaz McGregor two, and it <laughs> yeah. was just straight up bloodbath. And <laughs> my daughter, who was like six at the time, was just so not down with it at all. <laughs> and that's all she associates it with at this point. Damn, that's rough. Maybe when she gets older. Remember, I was going back, going back to the sponsorships. Remember when they did introduce the Reebok thing? Um, that smiling Sam Alvey got like the suntan thing. Oh, and he got in trouble. <laughs> like it, <laughs> they were so pissed. Yeah, because there's nothing they could do about it. Yeah, like I just remember Dana just was like, "This is like ever gonna happen again." All <laughs> freaking pissed, but I was just like, "Good on him for like pulling one." a fast one on him because it brought a lot of attention to that company, but you know, Oh yeah. Dude, at one, it fell through, but at one point there was a, a Khalil Roundtree Sam Alvey fight in the works. And I think that would have been the sickest matchup. I would have loved to have seen that happen. Yeah. I, I love Khalil. I, I hope he fights again in the UFC at some point. Cause I know, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, no, no, I, I'm not going to speak on it, but yeah, I, I hope he fights again. Shout out Khalil Roundtree. Shout out Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, I'd like. What were you saying? Yeah, 100%. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it if he wants to, obviously. Um, I've been I've been following him since even before like the Ultimate Fighter and before the UFC because I remembered him playing in bands like years ago in Vegas. I'm like, holy shit, this guy fights MMA now. And then he just <laughs> rose to the ranks and made it to the UFC and I think it's super cool. Yeah. It's awesome. I have a funny story about him. I'll, I'll tell you guys off air. I don't want to tell it on air. It's, it's all right. Yeah. It's fine. But, um, all right. Well, this is, this has been awesome. Jeff, uh, for your first time joining us, I, I, I had a great time. I, I think, you know, you held your own. I would love to have you back in the future if you're down. Yeah, let's do it again. All right. Well, before, yeah. before we Thank sign you. off, but before we go, Nate, Jeff, you guys want to you know uh, do some shout outs? Um, go ahead, Jeff. I don't have anything to shout out. I never do. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to shout out. Oh, my God. That dude, you just put me on the spot. So, so <laughs> fucking bad right now. Um, you know, what, anything building. I would have to. How about this? Shout out to Louisville and everybody that's trying to make a change right now. The world is super fucking crazy and shout out to people trying to stay safe. How about that? Yeah. I'm down for it. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm surprised Jamie didn't shout out (laughs) K-pop. We'll say that for another time. I'm uh, having this weird struggle with K-pop, but UFC 253 goes down this saturday i hope you guys all tune in enjoy it uh text us dm us message us your picks uh let's talk about it thank you guys again for tuning in this has been another mma episode with nate and jeff thank you guys bye thank you